Hey everybody, it's Ben Reiser, Director of Operations for the 2021 Wisconsin Film Festival. I'm also the head of the Wisconsin's own programming committee this year, and that's how I first got to see Hear Me Sometimes, which is um, a really beautiful and fascinating, um, I guess I would say experimental short, uh, and I'm uh, thrilled to welcome Sophia Theodore Pierce to this little interview. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to get to chat. Thanks for making the space. Yeah. Thanks for submitting your film. Uh, I'm so excited for our audiences to see it. Um, uh, you know, f with experimental films, at least at least for me as a viewer, I I try not to worry too much about figuring out um, what the filmmaker it might be trying to tell me uh, and just sort of enjoy it or, you know, soak it in and then th sort of think about it afterwards. And I've, I've seen your film uh, two, maybe three times now. And I, I do have to say that there, there are questions that pop up in my mind all the time about it while I'm watching it. And then afterwards and things that I think I've figured out, but then I think, Oh no, maybe I don't know what, maybe I don't know. But, but, but I mean, it, for me, it passes the sort of, test of uh of is it do i like watching it or is it like does it you know is it giving me something is it making me feel something or is it really just a pleasant or a, you know an interesting time uh watching a screen and so uh but but i what i went but i did go back today to look at what you wrote about it when you submitted to us on film freeway which i don't normally do but um I sort of love your description of the film. So can I just read that to you and then we can talk about it? Sure. So you say the monarch, the monarch migration and an unearthed cassette tape correspondence form a storm speaking towards motherhood, loss, expectation, care, and legacy, an elegy, an ode to uncertainty, a cry for radical optimism and a reordering of splendor, an incomplete container for obsession and wonder, a mixtape for a trip still in progress. I mean, as somebody who spent my high school and college years doing nothing but making mixtapes, I, I, I love that last sentence. But it's also just a very evocative and poetic way to describe this film, which is evocative and poetic uh, in and of itself. Um, I kind of wish we had just grabbed that and put that as our description of the film uh, for our film guide, but uh, but it's but it's fine. So certainly, so I guess um the the sort of dominant um image and maybe it's a metaphor and but certainly like the the sort of through line through this whole film is these monarch butterflies and I, i'd be interested to hear uh what those butterflies mean to you like what what your relationship with butterflies has been in your life yeah so i appreciate the question and the attention Definitely, I think of the film as many layered metaphors that kind of serve to unravel any complete metaphorization of the butterflies as a single, you know, one-to-one. Um, -one. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my intention with the film is to create all of these side-by-side -side comparisons or possible comparisons between what the butterflies might mean. Um, and yeah, I was, I have had a long time interest in the migration, you know, since I was a child, it was just one of those things that 
in early, early elementary school stuck with me. And I um, knew I wanted to make a film about it in some roundabout way. Um, and I also, the film is definitely kind of a loose follow-up to my previous film called One Off, which is a incomplete portrait of my mother uh, using photography as a metaphor, um, specifically cyanotypes and um, photogramming. So in that way, I wanted to make a follow-up film that's also about my relationship to my mother, but in this more um, unbounded way. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that. And I do want to circle back in a minute to hear more about your background and how you came to make this particular film and and uh, talk about your 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 work as a as a graduate student. Um, but um, yes, this has been and this was a subject of some debate amongst the programming committee as we talked about this film the first time we saw it um, was this. I think we all sort of interpret it as mostly, or at least addressing this uh, sort of a central relationship that is between a parent and a child. But it's not always obvious um, if we're hearing from the child's perspective uh, or the parents. It's, it's it it starts off with this with an excerpt from a from a I guess a, an audio recording on a cassette. And I have to say, every time I've seen this film, I've been like, okay, wait, is this a daughter speaking to her mother or a, a mother speaking to her daughter? It seems like such an interchangeable um, uh, dynamic or, or, you know, it could be either one of those things. And then sort of looking at the credits and reading the label on the cassette today, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't, it, it feels like this is the filmmaker talking about her relationship with either her mother or her daughter or whatever, but actually trying to figure that out through credits and stuff, it feels like, no, maybe this is, maybe this is between, maybe that recording is, is maybe from your sister to your mother, or is, I, I, I couldn't quite figure out that like the names there's Deb from Deb to Steph. And then I saw both of those names in the credits. And so, uh, talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a question yeah. there, but that, that's, that's been some of the pondering. I'm happy to hear that there's pondering and like productive confusion about who the, like the, what the mode of address is, who the addressee is, is definitely an intention in the film. Mm -hmm. So I guess, um, for a little like nugget of background so that the cassette tape, I had already decided I wanted to make a film that used butterflies in this kind of, um, complicated metaphorical sense. Um, but then I found this cassette tape that my mother and father had sent back and forth while they were separated early in their relationship. Um, he was overseas and they would send the tape back and forth as a letter um, recording over each other. And so I found that tape and I was really struck by what you're saying, which is this, the way that my mother's like addressing my father, her lover, her partner, um, and this is before I was born, also serves as a way of addressing me, um, or like there's complicated ways that it becomes a letter to many. Um, mm -hmm. So absolutely, that that was my interest in including it. Wow, that kind of blows my mind, but it, but at the same time, like thinking back, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then there's also there are also these um, 
sort of text excerpts that we get to see on screen throughout the film. And I, that also, uh, uh, causes me to question is are those are, is the filmmaker addressing us as an audience with those things are these quotes from some other sort of like a, a letter or something else or or you know some some sort of prose uh, it's something that's been written from somebody to somebody else um can you talk about those things yeah so um it's interesting i just had a conversation with a dear friend of mine sylvia who's I uh, mentioned in the film and who's been really important to me in my process uh, about personism, which is this idea of, uh, from Frank O'Hara, the poet. Um, but in long story short, it's about the idea that every poem is a gift. So like something that is made to be given to someone. Um, so that's like part of what drives the piece is this um, these fragments of language that I include as text on screen are meant to be these little gifts to the viewer of like possible insight or more confusion or complication. Uh -huh. um, so they're, they're drawn from, I have kind of a writing process where I just, yeah, collect text both from my own mind, but also from other writers and then kind of fold it all together. So it's a combination of, of text inspired by other people, text I wrote, text that's been written to me. Um, yeah, all of these things. Yeah, well, that makes me want to ask you about your process as an artist and also about, you know, your history as an artist. Like, how long have you been making films and how do, how do they start? You know, and what do you start with with audio or with text? Are you writing down a sort of outline of what you think the film should be and then trying to collect images uh, that you've that you thought of? Or do you start with image? You know, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I definitely I guess at my base, I would consider myself a collage artist um, in many ways. So I work in a very free form manner, but with intention, like I'm collecting actively all the time uh, with great attention to the materials I'm collecting, but I don't necessarily know how it's all going to come together in the cut. And then there's a whole process of cutting um, in like a very repetitive, redoing, undoing way that I really enjoy. Um, so, but I think in general, all of my films that I've made tend to start with some form of conversation. Like in this film, you know, there's this exchange between my mother and my father happening on the cassette tape that literally forms the impetus for how the rest of the film is structured. Um, and similarly in my last film, One Off with my mother, it's, it's structured around a phone call with her about her journaling practice. And that's kind of consistently the case where I tend to start with these conversations I've had and recorded that open up um, a way of thinking. Yeah, well, it really makes me want to check out One Off. Um, is that available anywhere? Yeah, for me I can definitely it? send it to you. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Um, we keep referring to this as a film, and although I don't, specifically see it listed in your submission or on the or on in the piece itself it feels like this is actually a film like that maybe you shot this uh, on with 16 millimeter uh it's got that four by three square format is that the case yeah definitely um 
Yeah, it's all shot on 16, but there is the inclusion of high eight home movie footage, which I mm-hmm. reshot off of the off of the wall. Oh wow! So yeah, so that's so so when we're seeing we're seeing sort of these images juxtaposed. That's all you're doing that in camera. Mostly. Okay. Sometimes I will alter images um, digitally. Like I'm not uh, precious about it. Again, like I guess my collage impulse. I'm I'm attached to celluloid for textural reasons, and I like the way that it can provide happy accidents, which is why I'm drawn to it. Um, and also just kind of the the space it allows, the fact that there's like a delay between shooting and receiving your material. Um, but I will do like I will make alterations um, in the edit, like adding color filters and things like that as well. Yeah. So do you have your own equipment? Like, do you have your own 16 millimeter camera that you use? I shot this um, using the UWM film department's equipment. They have an RESR, which is really great. Um, And I was excited because it's the first film I shot using sync sound. Um, Mm. So, yeah. And then I'm guessing then do you transfer all the footage to digital and then edit digitally? Yes. Yeah. So it's all edited um, after the fact in Premiere in a high-res file. Mm-hmm. And then do you, do, you, do you play around a lot with like the color grading and things like that in that space or do you try to leave it as yeah. it is? I don't really alter. I like to keep as close to the original transfer of the, um, like the colors of the film as possible unless I'm doing something really dramatic. Like usually any alteration that I do is pretty like, visible otherwise i don't really fuss with it because i like it to have the textural quality of the material Mm -hmm. i i I was really taken by this uh one segment uh where it seems like um you're describing um a nightmare maybe about giving birth um and is that what we're is that what we are uh yeah i mean i certainly want it to be open to interpretation um like the film is very much a riddle in many ways or trying to create a riddle that like you said still feels like there's something embedded within it clearly um but not resolving it for the viewer in any easy way but yeah that segment is a transcription of a nightmare um that i had and then decided to embed within the film because I think the way it speaks about performance was important to me. Um, it adds another layer of complication to the film. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, at its, at its core, it's, it's a really densely packed series of very striking imagery and, and audio and also this, the, these text things on screen, all of those elements seem equally interesting um which is you know kind of a rarity in the in the experimental films that we that we get at least at the wisconsin film festival where usually like somebody's strength is in one of those areas but not all three so i think it it, it's really impressive i i particularly love the moment where um 
and you've got sort of a tabletop set up with a whole bunch of things, I think on like sort of like a black, it feels like black velvet, but I don't know if it's actually velvet, but then, <laughs> but then you, you pull it, like you're going to yank the black velvet off the thing. And it, it's a very um, enjoyable for me, sort of image of, of that stuff. Um, and I'm also uh, a little bit curious about this footage towards the end um, where uh people seem to be at a diner eating and it's maybe a, maybe a mother and a child, uh, like a young child. Can you talk a little bit about that footage? Yeah. So, um, I knew I wanted the film to kind of return to the home movie material, um, as a sort of bookend, but also opening up. Um, so that final sequence where it's, uh, it's home movie height being projected on a wall on top of wallpaper that my grandmother made. Um, again, not important for the viewer to know, but just another kind of Easter egg in the thing uh, for me. But um, yeah, so that's a it's home movie footage of my mom and I in a diner. And it's, I was interested in the ways that at, a few times throughout the film, my father's presence is very subtly revealed. Um, there's a moment where you see him holding the camera mm -hmm. in the mirror um, as my mom is kind of searching through this motel room for a TV. Um, and so that was another moment where it's like I wanted to really subtly reveal the presence of a third figure, mm -hmm. um, the person behind the camera. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really like the only kind of male presence in the whole film, right? Mm -hmm. Like because we never hear his voice on those audio recordings, do we? No, because my mom taped over him. Right. right. She was the last one in the chain of back and yes. forth. She gets the last word. Yeah. I also as somebody who grew up uh learning to love music in the 80s love love to hear the excerpt from elvis costello um is that your mom mm -hmm. yeah so that's it's another way that like these happy callbacks happen and again through like a very obsessive collecting process of like compiling this height material and and going through the um mixtape uh correspondence tape which also includes music throughout so in addition to them re recording their voices back and forth they would record things off the radio as a sort of mixtape for each other um so I, I included bits of that throughout these little snippets of songs that are on the tape and then there's this moment with within the high eight footage where my mom turns on the radio and it's all this costello and she sings along have you ever um indulged in this sort of audio letter writing thing that your parents did? Uh... Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess in a sense, I do it all the time. Like I, I record a lot of phone calls that I make between myself and my mom and also my friends. Um, so there's that part, but then I also like will send audio notes back and forth, which is kind of a modern uh, right. version of this. Are you recording those phone conversations knowing that you might want to use them in your, in your art? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't always, I want them to be lived in and not, you know, not feel forced so that it's just a, a practice, um, that I have because it might, 
it's similar to the cassette tape. Like it's kind of for posterity, as my father says in the film, um, this like com compulsive archiving of personal material, but not knowing why is definitely an impulse I have as a maker. Yeah. But one that you lean into and don't try to, to fix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I'd love to hear what you're up to these days and how you've been dealing with, um, with life during the pandemic. Yeah. So I'm just finishing up a new film actually also shot on 16 also very much like a film that revolves around collection and also correspondences. Um, so during the last year I was doing a practice where I would send friends, um, cyanotype chemistry coated paper in like postcard size. And then I would ask them to make me prints at a body of water near to them. And it was kind of intended to be this way that, you know, they could get some sort of respite from the containment by just like walking to whatever body of water was accessible and make a print and then mail it back to me. And in that way, it also becomes this gift to me, the maker, where I get to receive all of these wonderful um, pieces that my friends have generated. And so I was collecting that material and then that material came into the film that I'm just finishing up now, which is called Other Tidal Effects. That sounds fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited about it. The, the title is a quote from Rachel Carson, um, who you may know of from Silent Spring. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, so it's, it's um, a quote from her book about uh, the tide and the, the sea's edge. What, is the, what does the title Hear Me Sometimes mean to you? So that title... Um, came to me toward the end of making the film. And again, I wanted something that would feel um, conversational, uh, like something that didn't feel too formal, but felt like it could have kind of come out of like a weird happenstance of, of spoken um, conversation. And so, but it also is like a direct reference to kind of the, the format the film takes in terms of its construction with audio. So this way that we sometimes get a, a view in or um, an ear in and sometimes we don't. And also kind of referring to the idea of mixed forms of attention, which I think is part of the film. Sometimes we listen and sometimes we don't. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Well, Sophia, I, uh, again, thank you so much for bringing this, this film. And I love that it is an actual film to the Wisconsin Film Festival. And I, I for one, I'm excited to see uh, your new work. And hopefully in 2022, we can maybe bring you to Madison and actually have an in-person festival, which is what we really like to do. I would love that. I really look forward to it. And thank you so much for this conversation. It's been great to chat about the work and I'm really excited to be part of the festival. Yeah.